0: The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games,
1: football, and entertainment. So you know what's going to happen one of these days? We're going to be too busy screwing around in our pre-show conversation, and I'm going to forget to say, ladies and gentlemen, we are live to the W2M Network with the kickoff. Regular season edition number four for the 2018 season. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, everybody. I am your host with the most. I am Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the down since day one co-host Brandon Biscabing.
2: Hey, hey, hey!
1: I didn't call you Brandon Watkins this week. Yes, All well right. done. The executive producer turned co-host Eric Watkins. I had faith in you, Scott Frost. (laughs) More on that later. And the chairman of the W2O Network, Jason Teasley. What up? Word. (laughs) Gentlemen, it's time for studs and duds. Eric.
0: Now, granted, we had an excellent weekend of football, college and the pros. We saw a bit of Fitz magic. It was a lot of high scoring and chaos in the NFL. But there's one performance in the college ranks that I think is more deserving. My stud, the brand new, who should have been the starting quarterback for Notre Dame this entire time, Ian Book. Yes, he did go up against the mighty powerhouse that was Wake Forest. Ooh. But still, six touchdowns is six touchdowns. You can't argue against
1: that.
3: Damon Deacons, Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> Jason? My stud is a little rookie wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Kevin, oh, God, I'm so tired. Calvin Ridley, who posted a, I think it was like a three touchdown. They, on, um, I mean, granted it was a track meet, track meet between them and the Saints that went into overtime. But he went s- seven reception on eight targets for 146 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, just remember, Dallas passed on him as a number one receiver that could have been paired with Dak.
1: I'm going to throw this out there for you because I know fantasy football to the max is kind of delayed here. In a PPR league where a reception is worth a point and touchdowns are worth six and you get a tenth of a point for every yard, Calvin Ridley would have single handedly put up 40 points in that game there.
3: Uh, seven, 21, seven,
1: 21.8 at 18 38, Just yeah. under
3: 40. 39.38. Yeah. He would put to up 38. Eight. yeah.
1: In one game. I don't think Dallas receiving core has put up
3: 39.8 points fantasy-wise total. I don't think their offense has put up 38 points offensively this season. Uh, I mean, they did
1: get
0: 20 against
3: you guys. (laughs) They did get 20 against you guys.
0: And 16 in the opener. Or wait a minute.
1: (laughs) And 13 against Seattle in another losing effort. So they're just barely over 40 for the
3: season. Exactly.
2: <laughs> Brandon, who's your stud? Um, so the Saints uh made us not all look like idiots last week. As did Drew Bli- du- Drew Brees. Um three you ninth- said blood. Though. What? No, I no I was you saying Drew, Bli- Drew Brees. Drew Breeze, damn it. <laughs> Three ninety-six yards, three touchdowns in a shootout win at mercedes Benz Stadium. Um let's not forget the two rushing touchdowns as well. Breeze oh, counted yes.
1: for all five all five touchdowns in the in the uh non-overtime
2: portion of the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well done, Drew Brees, not making us all look like idiots from last week with the R U Series. <laughs>
3: He used his walker as a lead blocker.
0: (laughs) Hey, you can't do a proper stiff arm. You just reach out with your cane and do a stiff (laughs) arm. That works even
3: better. Exactly. Speaking Speaking of of stiff arm. (laughs) Go ahead, (laughs) ahead,
1: Jason. No, I think we were both about to bring up the same thing. Go ahead.
3: That stiff arm by Vance McDonald. That caused the oh old boys to go into retirement was unreal.
1: <laughs> you just got embarrassed
2: on Monday Night Football, bro. <laughs> and then you retire because of it. Two weeks in a row that someone retires because of getting embarrassed. Well, in
1: <laughs> fairness, Buffalo did step their game up. I them, know so. this. So and he may be kicking himself. Week, and my stud for the week is Buffalo but not that Buffalo. My stud for the week are the Buffalo Bulls of the Mid-American Conference, who set a Mid-American Conference record with the largest margin of victory ever over a Big Ten team by beating Rutgers 42-13. to Now, granted, this is Rutgers. This is the <laughs> redheaded stepchild of the Big 12. No, Big you Senate mean Big team. Ten. Oh, God. My. I corrected myself. <laughs>
0: We have a redhead on the room. Shame on you! How dare you disrespect redheaded stepchildren like that? <laughs> they're,
2: they, they were the redheaded stepchild of the Big East too, so they're used to it. I mean, it all worked out. Can can I go? Seriously, first? how can you call
1: your how can you call yourselves a Big Ten team and get blown out by the Bulls <laughs> of Buffalo?
0: Because it's New Jersey.
1: I mean, the
2: only reason they did that is
1: because they wanted the New York market. Yeah. We we uh, kind of talked about this before.
0: Yeah, the
2: only reason why Rutgers is in the Big Ten is so that they could stick the Big Ten network into the New York market. Either way,
1: well done on the Bulls' behalf there. Way to rep the city on Saturday. (laughs) Then another team held it down on Sunday. We'll pour one out for the Homers a little bit later on. Can,
2: can I go first um, for duds? Because my, I, I have an honorary dud that I want to say before I say my official one that has to do with your NFL team. Go ahead, Brandon. I don't like going out of order, but go ahead. <laughs> the, my, my honorary dud first is to the graphics design intern staff, whoever, who incorrectly placed the Vikings helmet on that graphic on the Bills' uh, Twitter account. Well done, Bills.
1: I mean, in fairness, we also said we were traveling to Wisconsin for the game on Sunday as well, so <laughs> our yeah. Twitter
3: team isn't exactly on the ball. No. no. Well, maybe don't. that's maybe that's what happened. It was a psychological game, and that's why Minnesota didn't <laughs> show up.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to be fair, we've got an NFC North team in Wisconsin. They—they they was just probably a simple mix-up.
1: Nah, we've actually played that NFC North team this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we pour one out for the homers.
2: Who's your actual dud, Brandon? My my actual dud is the team, albeit they played decently well, but they will forever be known as, in the history books, as the one in one and, I don't even know what it is 30 something 40 um the the New York Jets 635 games
3: what? 635 days
2: well I I'm talking about how many games they lost previous to uh, Yeah. they they uh, ended
1: up... 17 18 in the tie going
2: back to their last victory okay so yeah the, uh, the one in San... one in 18 and one. And <laughs> so, well done, New York Jets. You will be forever known as the team that broke the longest losing streak in NFL history. Well done. Can I point
1: out the fact that over the course of that 20 games, that's a winning percentage of point one fifty for Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive. It is.
0: And that's below the Mendoza line. Yeah, that's 100%. winless streak is only the fourth longest. And C, that actually improved Hugh Jackson's record as head coach of the Cleveland Browns to 232 and 1.
1: We are number two. (laughs) We are yes, yes, you are Cleveland. Well,
0: hey, they wear the appropriate colors. Yeah, they do. And they have the appropriate
1: name. Eric, who's your dud? Uh,
0: As I mentioned in my opening, Scott Frost, I love you. You had a great thing going at UCF. You're trying to go back to your roots, help your alma mater. Fantastic. And I, being a part of my trend of Are You Serious, I'm thinking, you know what? He's not going to win, but he's going to make it damn close and give a hell of a fight. I look at the score and what do I see a flat out ass whooping. <laughs> I am officially now the 2017 Cleveland Browns of Are You Serious? I don't think I've gotten one right yet this season. And I'm Thanks still undefeated. Keeping
1: that going, Scott.
2: I'm, I'm still Ugh. undefeated in college.
1: We'll have updated standings next week. I'm going to do them every four weeks. So we'll have the updated standings for week five. But I'm like right on your ass, Bisco, because I went 2 and 1 myself this past weekend.
2: Two and one, you mean one and one? Oh wait, right, we no. we all picked the uh, secondary teams, right? I forgot. Which by
1: the way, an honorary screw you to the Denver Broncos.
3: <laughs> Jason, who's your dud? My I just got a question, guys. How are you favored by ninety nine percent top fifteen in the country? And lose. Yes, my dud is the Virginia Tech Hokies. Beamer Ball has left the building. They gave up 21 points uh, in the fourth quarter and seven in overtime, I think, for for a total of 28 points, Uh, 35 points in the second half. They got shredded by... Old Dominion's running back for 20 carries and 113 yards and two touchdowns.
1: I will point out that Old Dominion had not won a game going into that. (sighs) Mm
3: -hmm. Yes, that was the next point. Uh, Old Dominion was winless coming in. Virginia Tech was number 13 in the nation.
2: Didn't Old Dominion also lose to a D2 school? Yes. I, I'm this, is why,
3: <laughs> this is why I believe college rankings should not start till at least week 4 or week 5. A lot of teams get put up in the rankings simply based on name alone, mm-hmm. not their field efforts. I have one word to back up your point there, Jason. Nebraska. Yes. A lot of these schools were once predominantly football schools, have went to the wayside, but still get biased strictly on name basis.
0: Uh-huh. I, I, I'm reserving this for Get It Together, but I will provide a bit of a tease. There's an even bigger stat for Old Dominion going into that game for how things are really going. I'm just going to say that.
1: <clears throat> so, the Miami Dolphins are 3 and out. The New York Jets are 1-2. The Buffalo Bills are 1-2. And the New England Patriots are 1-2 after laying an absolute egg in prime time on Sunday night football against the Detroit Lions. All right, I'm going to open this up to discussion here because I genuinely want your guys' opinion here. Is the dynasty done in Foxborough?
3: I don't know if it's done, but it's on life support.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Oh, go go ahead, ahead. Brandon. I'm going to have to agree with Jason there. I mean, we saw this. I mean, they turned it around a little earlier than week four last year, but we saw this after week one last year when the Chiefs put a whooping on them and everyone was thinking, oh, is the Dynasty done? Is the Dynasty done? And they turned it around and made it to the Super Bowl. So I'm not quite sure I'm willing to say it's done yet, but it's holding on by a thread right now.
1: Eric?
0: Personally, September has always been the month of experimentation for Bill Belichick. This just proves it. They don't even have, really, their full assortment of team together yet. Edelman is still in the middle of his suspension. He's going to bring a lot to the table. They're trying to work with Josh Gordon to give them a little bit of a deep threat, which they are badly missing right now. If they do lose to Miami and drop to one and three, I am going to move towards the panic button. But I'm nowhere even close to pushing it yet. We They've done this way too many times and found a way to dig themselves out and then make runs deep in the playoffs into the Super Bowl.
1: I'm just saying that I have not seen a Bill Belichick coached team play that badly in prime time, and I can't tell you how long.
0: Well, not just that, but losing to
1: a former coordinator. That'll and Matt Patricia. Can you imagine what would have happened to New England had the offensive coordinator left as well and taken the Indianapolis job? Oh,
0: That would have really been devastating. hmm
1: And with that, we move into So That Happened. All right, so I'm actually going to open So That Happened with uh, a question for you guys here. I have the ESPN NFL power rankings in front of me. Would anybody like to take a guess at the top five?
3: Uh, Kansas City. Number two. Rams. Number one. I'm going to say the Jags are in in there. I'm going to say Miami.
1: Miami is not. Tampa Bay is not. Mm. One more guess each, and then I'll reveal the other two, because one of them surprises me, the other one doesn't.
3: Mm. Atlanta?
1: No. Baltimore? No. Eagles? The Eagles are third. The team that you guys missed is the team that surprises me, and that is the New Orleans Saints. Hmm. For as, good as the oh, New Orleans yeah. for as good, yeah, you were in the right division, just the wrong team. For as good as the New Orleans Saints' offense is, their defense is going to be their downfall. What do you guys make of the top five thus far, Eric? I'll start with you. I
0: mean, even with New Orleans aside, I think they are, along with the Kansas City, they would be some of the weaker ones because of their defense. But I think that over the course of the season, if they can at least try to shore that up, they would be very deserving of the rankings. And as far as the Rams being number one, how can they not be number one with the way that they've been steamrolling? And I personally think that's going to continue come Thursday.
2: Maybe maybe this is just you know how I look at things, and I look at things on a very numerical level, but I just don't understand how two undefeated teams can't be in there over... Don't the Saints have a... Yeah, the Saints have a loss to Tampa Bay, no less. So I don't get how Tampa Bay can be below New Orleans when they beat New Orleans. Because I think they're looking at
1: the performance of Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football until the
2: second half comeback. I'll agree with that, but, you know, still.
3: But still, how can you put a team that's undefeated outside of that? I mean, granted This is the whole
2: college football issue.
3: They've not lit up the scoreboard, but... I mean, I'm not the biggest Finns fan, but, I mean... But you at you the
1: same time,
2: too, there. who has Miami beaten this year? New England? Oh, wait, no, they play them this week. Never no, right. it's this week, Brandon. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Never
0: they right. beat Tennessee, winning an
2: train-delayed
0: game.
3: Man, now, Jags couldn't beat.
0: Don't even get me started. I said that that would potentially happen. Oh, they
2: beat the Jets. Meh. Meh, yeah. Not and really they impressive. beat Oakland. Meh.
3: The Jets, a division rival.
1: Okay, I'm not gonna sit here and deny that the division rivalry games are difficult to win because they are, but at the same time, it's the Jets, the team that we were just talking about being the one in one eighteen and one.
3: Okay, so so okay, let's let's take that. So if Cleveland would have been Pitts, beat Pittsburgh week one.
1: They would have been a dumpster fire team, too. Well, they are right
2: win. now. I mean, I mean, I mean let's be honest.
1: Pittsburgh's kind everybody? of in <laughs> Yeah. Let Yeah. Lest
0: we forget, Cleveland and Pittsburgh have the same record. 1-1-1. Mm-hmm. and 1.
1: <laughs> The difference is, is that nobody expected Pittsburgh to be like this with the opening three games that Pittsburgh had. Everybody had Pittsburgh at 2-1 and one, at worst and maybe 3-0. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, 1-1-1 one, one, one has to be classified as a colossal disappointment in Blitzburg.
0: It's so oh, it, extreme, and especially the fact that, again, who they played. They nearly blew a 20-point lead on Monday Night Football. You had the Big Ben throw three interceptions in a tie.
1: It, it, they're just wondering what's going on. Um, Wasn't Big Ben picked off four times against Cleveland? And I know he fumbled twice as well. Or maybe he was picked off three times and fumbled twice.
0: I want to say picked off three times and fumbled twice. It might be four interceptions,
1: though. Either way, it was crap. (laughs) All right, let's talk college football now. Um, So, Eric... You know how you've been calling for Jalen Hurts to transfer to uh, Miami of Florida? Yes. What about Kelly Bryant? Would he be a suitable alternative? As Kelly Bryant has announced that he is leaving Clemson after being benched for Trevor Lawrence. I saw that today
0: in, oh dear lord, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Come to Coral Gables. Bring us your knowledge and your secrets. (laughs) Is that even sure, allowed? You actually, you know, having you kick our ass repeatedly. Please
1: thank Technically it, it, speaking, since Bryant only played four games for Clemson, he has announced that he is transferring after being benched. He could transfer and not use up a year of eligibility, which means he would be eligible to play next season.
2: Well, I'm not yes, even yes. – I'm not so much talking about that, but this may be more of a basketball rule because – um, they had because like players matter more, but um, I thought I remember I, you know, this may just be like a school by school or conference by conference thing. But I thought certain conferences had rules against players transferring within the conference.
0: Miami's broken rules before, allegedly. <laughs> I, we could potentially, you know. Maybe, maybe not. Skirt some things. I mean, hell, you're already used to wearing orange. It's just a different color orange. You already know the ACC. You've got better weather, you know. Hurricane season's almost over. You know, opposite division. We're kind of running the show thanks to Virginia Tech. I mean, it would be a free pass to a New Year Six Bowl. I'm just saying. You could... You could get revenge. We like
1: revenge. (laughs) You also like getting your asses beat by Clemson, too.
0: It's all the more reason why he would be the better fit. He knows how it's done, (laughs) he knows the inner workings and all of that. Just drop that knowledge on us and we'll make you the man. (laughs) Help, please.
1: (laughs) Somebody,
3: maybe? Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to help you.
1: All right, so I know one of you guys has this plan for Get It Together, so I don't want to touch too much on this here. The Virginia Tech Old Dominion game. And then the Buffalo-Minnesota game the following day in the NFL. According to ESPN's FPI, those are the second-largest Uh, the second-largest margin of disparity in the NFL and the largest disparity in college football. Is this the year of the upset in football, Eric?
0: I honestly would have to say yes. I mean, more so in college. In the NFL, this is what we're getting with more and more parity. It's literally any given Sunday... Anything can happen. Anybody can beat anybody.
3: So That's a great
0: movie. Oh, a tremendous movie. (laughs) Anyway, I really want to go into that pregame speech, but I'll save that for later. So this is what we've been kind of conditioned and used to this in the NFL because this has been happening more regularly. The reason why it's a year of the upset is because it is college. Who would have seen half of these results coming. And who would even see this dramatic of a shakeup in the top 25 this early in the season? Yes, there have been years in the past where it's happened. Yes, there have been years to where middle and later this season you get some big surprises, but not this quickly out of the gate.
2: Um, I mean, you yeah. normally do see them out of the gate because that's when... The 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 big you know what everyone says are the big upsets happen because you know whereas you know in pro sports and and in college basketball we're we're conditioned to be prepared for them in college football everyone says oh there's no chance in hell there's no chance in hell and then everyone's shocked when it happens but it happens a lot more often than a lot of people think and or a lot of people want to admit.
1: Jason,
3: I'm I'm all for the upsets. I oh, think so this I. is a Jason? very 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 wonky season that you college football is going to bring a lot of surprises so much so that it goes back to my college football preview of how the big 4 will be at the end of the season i think there's going to be some upsets that lead to that you guys disagree to now looking back on it ginger domicis is going to come true all i'm going to say is expect the unexpected and you're going to have, I, I'm going to make this prediction, you're going to have a national champion for the first time ever in their school's history Is going to hoist the trophy up.
2: No chance in hell. Uh-uh. mm No chance. That
1: actually ties into my next question here because uh, you can say that, Jason, but I think the clear-cut number one team in college football right now is the Alabama Crimson Tide. With that thought in mind, who would you guys put at number two? Jason?
3: Uh, I mean, the number two team, I, I mean, I'm still going to go Clemson. I mean, until, until it's proven that they're not, I mean, they might stumble and everything. But I'm all for Clemson being the number two team. Um, Eric?
0: I mean, I really have to agree. There's nobody that's truly been overwhelming. I mean, Alabama, as we said, number one, especially in their transition to Tua Tagovailoa, I think when now they're making the transition to Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. That They haven't missed a beat, and I think they're prone to get better. Especially because, well, they've gotten younger thanks to that transition. So they're going to be even more dangerous as the season progresses. I don't see anybody else really stepping up to the plate to even come close.
1: One could argue that Clemson's had better numbers under Trevor Lawrence than they have under Kelly Bryant this year as well. Brandon, who's your number two college team?
2: Yeah, I have to agree with both Jason and Eric. Clemson, hands down, is the number two team. Because, I mean... Yes, Ohio State is still undefeated, but you still are, you know, worried about them because of the off-the-field stuff. Um, you know, this week is going to be a big test for both them and Penn State, who would be the only other two that I would even consider putting into the spot because the other two teams that we were all talking about at the beginning of the season have lost a game already.
1: Uh, I think you could make the argument for Georgia.
2: True, but Georgia that was their last year, and they haven't shown any signs of slipping this year. But that that, actual, go, that completely goes against my philosophy. So they're they're automatically disqualified.
1: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that Ohio State Penn State game because segue. My final so that happened is actually going to be a so this is happening. This weekend we have two marquee college football games in national prime time on Saturday night. The Ohio state Buckeyes go to happy Valley for the whiteout and the Penn state Nittany lions. The Stanford Cardinal bring an undefeated record to the golden dome. When they take on the Notre Dame fighting Irish, Eric, which match interests you more?
0: Mainly because of my history in dealing with that school on a more recent basis, I am more tuned into Ohio State, Penn State, especially because, at least to me, now there are some other pundits out there, but to me, this is going to be the banner for the Big Ten. Whoever wins this game, they're going to be considered the flag bearer for the big 10 on whether or not they get into the playoff, even with the likes of Wisconsin and those in the big 10 West, Whoever
2: is coming out of this is going to be
0: a V team.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with that. Jason. Oh, go, go ahead. Jason.
3: Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be the big 10 matchup with Penn state, Ohio state. Um, that matchup alone is going to set the precedent for one of your big four teams at the end of the year. Um, quality win, I, I'm actually going to pick. You know, I, I actually don't think Ohio State will have enough firepower to come into Happy Valley and win, but I, I think that whoever wins that game catapults themselves tremendously into at least the top three discussion.
1: I would go as far as to say that whoever wins that game between Ohio State and Penn State has consideration for number two in the country, depending on what Alabama does on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I could see that.
3: Uh,
1: it's possible. I would say that Stanford's, Stanford and Notre Dame's winners immediately into the top five as well. So the, big, the Pac-12 might not be done just yet, despite Washington's early season struggles.
2: Yeah, see the issue with that, and I have to agree with both Eric and uh and Jason that it's definitely Penn State, Ohio State. We've seen in the past, now granted, I don't think correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think oh or I don't think Notre Dame has had an undefeated season since the playoff has been formed, correct?
1: Uh wrong. Or since the playoff, yes. They had yes. one in
2: the uh they had one in the BCS era, but not yeah, since the playoff but it started. No. Okay. So we have yet to see what they would do with a with an undefeated Notre Dame team. But I do still think although with both uh Big 12 and Pac-12 not being undefeated anymore, there's a chance, but with the especially with the SEC bias, I have a feeling that Notre Dame is and it's shocking to say this and disappointing to say this, but Notre Dame is going to have to do a lot to get into the playoffs. So that game, while, yes, it, it helps Notre Dame's chances, it's not nearly as big of a game for the playoffs as Ohio state Penn State.
1: So I'm going to disagree with that, because I think Notre Dame has the schedule to back up their inclusion if they can run the table.
2: But... Look at look at how the voting has been as of late. I think, yes, they have the schedule, but a lot of the voters are going to be like, okay, who do we take out, though?
0: Plus, that's the biggest wrinkle, and that's where the ACC kind of hogtied Notre Dame in a way. Because as part of Notre Dame moving to the ACC for all of their other teams, they have to play in football five ACC opponents a year. Even as an independent, it's basically a very, very big luck of the draw as for those ACC teams. You get a weak ACC schedule, that's going to hamper you, especially in terms of the playoff.
1: I will have to check out their remaining schedule to see who else they have on it from the ACC this year to determine whether that'll be a help or a hindrance. While I do that, and we'll come back to this topic a little bit later on here before we get into our predictions for later on in the week And Are You Serious? uh, Let's go ahead and move on to our buy or sell segment here. And I promise not to completely step on your toes here, Jason. So just trust me when I say that the NFL topic, while it will include where you're going to go with your get it together, is not going to directly touch on that very well. All right. All right. Eric, I will let you make the first selection here. Do you want the NFL, college, or both?
0: Because of my intrigue with the subject, and certain moves that I've been making personally, I'm going to go both. The mixed question.
1: And that would be in regards to the XFL update that we have seen here. or yourselves, the involvement of former major football personalities such as Doug Flutie, And Jim Caldwell in the championship committee to determine the rules for the XFL has you more interested in the XFL relaunch than you were previously.
0: I am definitely going to buy that. And this is why I think over the next couple of NFL off seasons and interesting timing with that, which I'll get to in a second. This is really going to test our culture and how it's going to be for football. Because you've got a lot of former players, big-time former players, now in the XFL saying, hey, this is how we want it shaped. You're seeing more and more now that the Alliance of American Football, the AAF, they're getting more of their personnel in place. They've got their big stars that they've announced now more in certain uh, specific positions. How they their logos, their markets, and everything done. The XFL can now react to that as well. They're getting another they're getting a season back. The AAF will have a season under their belt. They can also look and make some tweaks before they launch. I am extremely intrigued that they're saying, hey, extra level of taking this serious.
1: Brandon, we remember the first XFL, the original failed experiment from 2000 here. Buy or sell that the involvement of major football personalities has you more intrigued about the relaunch than you were before?
2: The big question that I would have, and we'll talk about this subject a lot more later, I'm sure, but the big question I have for those former players is what do you think of what's going on in the NFL today in terms of the rule changes? This, and, and let me put a disclaimer out right now. This is not 2001 Vince McMahon. This is not 2001 XFL. It's not going to be that level, but I do think that if Vince is... If, if he has the advertisers lined up, and he's got, you know, he's got the backing of a system to where they'll say, if something does happen, we've got your back, I, d- I would at least hope. I'm probably hoping a little too much, because as you and I have seen, and Jason has seen, our hope with when it comes to WWE always seems to fall flat. But... I would have hoped that, especially after some of the things that are going on in the NFL now, Vince says, hey, let's try, while still keeping it safe, let's try to get that grit back. Maybe try to convince a Clay Matthews, a, um, I know he's not in the league anymore, or he's probably, you know, too old now, but a James Harrison type you know, some of those defenders that are getting a little perturbed at the rule changes in the NFL and says, Hey, you want to make a big name for yourself? You want to make a real impact? And do you want to play some real football? Come jump ship. Come play for the XFL. And maybe, just maybe, that's the kick in the pants that both the XFL and the NFL needs where it's a true rivalry granted they won't be playing in the same se- season but get that get that you know true football back and show the NFL hey you're our, you're on borrowed time and that's why i
0: say about the timing mhm XFL 2020 Doesn't the collective bargaining agreement as it stands now for the NFL expire in 2021?
2: I believe so, yes.
0: Just saying, if everybody's being serious about, hey, save your money, hey, there could be multiple weeks missing... Would it be so terrible of an idea for some of those players knowing they're not going to be playing in the NFL for a while and will get a break? They have time in the off season and at least on short-term deals.
3: Jason? I- I'm selling. I mean, I'm not getting my hopes up too high for the XFL. Um, I, I seen what it was before. And I think it's going to have too much pressure to succeed with everybody being upset with the way some of the things in the NFL is going. Uh, I think the expectations are going to be too high to be met. So I'm going to sell for right now until I've, I'm going to be more of a wait and see approach, but currently, I'm I'm going to sell. I mean, I think that it's with the NFL rules in flux that you're not really going to get the the expectations that the fans are going to be wanting, thinking this is going to be a whole different type of league, and it's going to be. Fairly much the same as the NFL, just an alternative. Well, it's going to basically be the little, the little brother to the NFL. There, there's going to be some kind of rules that are going to be very similar. At least we'll know what a catch is in the XFL, though.
2: Well, that that that's why I kind of put the disclaimer behind my buying it. In that, you know, this is only if and only if Vince is willing to say. Yeah, we're going to create the old, you know, not exactly the old XFL, but, you know, we're going to make it more of a hard-hitting league and maybe is able to convince some of the players who are disillusioned by the NFL to jump ship and 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 make it so. I think that's going to be the big problem that the XFL has, like they had the first time around, is, you know, They're going to need players, and not just players, but good players in order to get people to watch. Because as we saw on the first go-around, if it's, you know, basically, if it feels like minor league football, people are going to tune out.
3: We'll wait and see what happens.
1: All right, we move on here. Brandon, i let you pick next. Do you want the college or the NFL question?
2: I'll go NFL. All
1: right. So I have to be careful how I word this because I don't want to step on too many toes for a little bit later on in the show. Buy or sell? We have reached the peak of ridiculousness with the roughing the passer calls this season.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think now, especially now, The either the rules, either the people who are part of the rules committee or the officials or both, as a prerequisite to be able to be either on the committee or an NFL official, need to take a basic physics class. There is the law of, there are the Newton's three laws of motion. You cannot. Suddenly change your position in midair, and we saw what happened when someone attempted to. On a, was it Sunday night or Monday night football? Um, someone got injured, got like a torn ACL or, or um, like torn Achilles or something, because they tried to shift while making a tackle. Oh, that- I don't think that was during the
0: primetime games. I think that was during some of the earlier games.
2: Oh, okay. I saw saw it on Monday, so that's why I was thinking it might have been on Sunday night. Um, Yeah, that was in the earlier games. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so now in an effort to supposedly protect the quarterback, even though this is the way that people have been tackling for eons... You're going to cause more injuries to defensive players because now they don't know what the hell am I going to do? How do I tackle? How do I tackle a quarterback? Because you can't. That Clay Matthews tackle was a textbook tackle and it was called. Learn basic physics before you become an official in the NFL or, at, or you are disqualified. Oh, and by the way, um, for, any, for anyone who's interested and, and likes a good laugh, especially if you're pissed off at this whole thing, uh, go, go find uh, Kevin Hart's thing that he did on uh, Good Morning Football this morning.
1: I actually think it was on Wake Up. Oh, okay, um, Wake Up. That's that's what get I up. meant. I get up. I
2: knew it was on ESPN. I forgot what the name was. Yeah, get up, that's what I mean.
1: Greenberg's new thing since they broke up Mike and Mike. Yeah. Um Eric, I'll ask you the question next. We've we, we've officially reached the peak of ridiculousness with the roughing the passer calls.
0: I'm definitely going to buy. Get why they were overcalling it in the preseason so they could get penalties right and for things like this to protect their $100 million quarterbacks in the regular season. However, in between all the physics and shifting and everything, you would think after all those preseason games, now three weeks of the regular season in the books, they would have gotten it right. I think they're still in overcall, overcall, overcall mode. Yes, I'm frustrated a little bit. Quarterbacks are frustrated. Defensive players are frustrated. You should be frustrated because, yes, you're trying to protect certain players later in the season. But as Brandon pointed out, with the Dolphins lineman suffering that ACL injury, shifting his weight that's going to start to happen more as a side effect. Players are going to naturally overcorrect now, and that's going to have completely different results.
1: Jason?
3: Uh, Well, I mean, I've kind of... Some of my thunder for later on the show has been stolen, but, um, I mean, this is... I'm buying. The ridiculousness has... Got out of hand. I mean, what has been known as a legit tackle is now being flagged. Uh, It's going to cause major implications in the standings come in the season, especially in the NFC North. And I, I just, I don't know what is easier to define a major league baseball strike zone or the tackle zone on a quarterback.
2: At, at least the strike zone, it, it makes sense because it is human. You know, it, it has always been a human judging call. Whereas this, that tackle by Clay Matthew was how you teach tackling. It was a textbook tackle, and he gets flagged for it. And, well, you finish real quick, and then I have one thing to say about this. One more thing. Well, uh, let's. I, I think.
3: I think what the major issue is. Is Matthews didn't give a 24 hour notice that he will be sacking a quarterback <laughs> and did not provide a, a my pillow to lay his head down as he went to the ground?
1: I actually think that Matthews had to give him a snuggie, <laughs> but you, he could only find one in Packer colors and he didn't want to insult him. <laughs> yeah, the, uh,
0: those, Brandon. Those snuggies are hard to find. <laughs>
1: I have a I have a Buffalo Bills snuggie. I got one when they first came out. It's a good thing I did too, because those some bitches are like a hundred dollars each now too. Damn, um, Brandon, save your <laughs> so thought. Save, save your thought as far as the the rest of the officiating goes till a little bit later on. I don't want to step oh, on I, Jason's toes any well, any more than we have.
2: I, I was just gonna say something about some of the consequences. Save it. Okay, I, I'll save it. Thank you. Okay. Uh, you get to start our college one, Brandon.
1: Okay. Oh, wait. Didn't no, you start no,
2: the NFL one? Yeah, I started the NFL one, so I think it's Jason's turn. Okay,
1: so that I means Jason starts our college one. I apologize. Jason, the college one. We saw yes, seven... I'll take the college one. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. We saw seven different teams in the top 25 go down this past weekend. To unranked opponents, we kind of touched on this earlier. Buy or sell that we need to abolish preseason rankings.
3: Oh, I'm stealing some bitches. I'm buying that. Like, I'm buying that ten times over. I mean, you know, like I said earlier on the show, preseason rankings are predominantly based on, um. Prominence of the past, Uh, and in the word, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. In the words of Miss Jackson, Janet, if you if you're nasty, what have you done for me lately?
1: Uh, Jan, it's Janet, Miss Jackson. If you're nasty, but
3: that's neither here nor there. No, it's it's nipple titties. (laughs) If you're nasty, you know. I, I've never actually seen the video I when it happened. I put it to like, yes, this. Everybody got worked up over nothing. There wasn't even nice titties.
1: <laughs> Eric, Byers saw that we need to abolish preseason rankings in college football.
0: Oh, so you're just going to let that go by? No screaming at him that it's a family
3: show? <laughs> All right,
0: righty then, I see how
3: this is. You have a reputation. It? <laughs> mine, was on, mine was on a worldwide stage. And at least and you have football relevant.
1: Now answer the damn question.
0: Uh, personally, I am going to buy. And this isn't like Canada where there's only 30 teams and you do a top 10. Because you can pretty much guess who the top 10 teams are going to be after the Vanier Cup is over. There's really no point. A lot of teams treat the first three, four weeks of the season as a glorified, meaningful preseason between scheduling cupcakes, tweaking with five different quarterbacks, playing six different types of offenses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Once you get into conference play, that's really when you should start looking at rankings because... By then, you should pretty much have all of the teams establish themselves. But just because of what you did before, you know, winning the Bourbon Bowl against uh, South Central Louisiana State University, no, 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 that shouldn't count for anything. The Nipple King from Waterboy? Yeah, and that's, again, that was a university. Now,
3: granted, you know,
0: but he ain't there anymore. <laughs>
3: you, you know what yeah, I hear? When, um, Bobby, Bobby Boucher showed up at the halftime, and we won there, the Barber Bowl. You know Bowl. What, I hear? what I
1: hear? I hear that the kickoff is the devil.
3: <laughs> Brandon? Roy Orbison. The devil, Roy Orbison. <laughs> what Mama does't know won't hurt her, <laughs> all right, Jason. Let it go. Barain your has got autumn teeth and no toothbrush. that's why they honor
2: okay mm-hmm. so um yeah i I definitely have to buy this um and and i'll go one step further and say that they have to and you know i've been saying this forever now they have to make some sort of system to where because for for all of and and i you guys have to agree with me on this even if they started in week 3 or week 4 there would still be a bias. They would still say, oh, strength of schedule, oh, conference prestige, oh, all of this, all of that. Um, You know, so, not only would you, would I say you should start, you know, at least in week three or four, but also they need to have some sort of system where, you know, a, you know, a one and two SEC team doesn't get ranked when you know a three and O American Athletic Conference team does not, you know, or something like that. Um you Well, know.
1: I'll tell you what, Brandon. When I actually see a one and two SEC team in the rankings, I'll give you some legitimacy to your grade.
2: Two and one, fine. I went. I, I was going a little overboard, but
3: and no, so- Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. Mama's right.
1: <laughs>
3: this is my fault for getting him
1: started on this. Yeah. And by the yeah, way, it is. is it just me, or is it just me, or is the way that Brandon just said "strength of schedule, conference superiority"? There, is it just me, or did he sound like Adam Sandler's Billy Madison?
2: Yeah, that was huh? the point. Do not start quoting that movie, Jason.
1: <laughs> Back to school. Although. <laughs> Although it is Wednesday, and everybody knows that Wednesday is Nudie Magazine Day.
0: Nudie <laughs> Magazine Day. Mr. <laughs> Penguin.
1: All right, let's, let's move on, gentlemen. Let's go ahead and pour one out for the homers. Brandon, you start us off since you don't have a college team, so you're going to be talking about the New York football giants on the victory column this weekend as they took down the Houston Texans 27-22.
2: Huzzah! They've shown what they can do, and both lines actually showed up. Hopefully they can continue this week against, um, uh oh, crap, who are they playing?
3: New, oh, the
2: uh, Schedule. New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans, right. They're playing. Yeah, on, y'all are pl- about rolled. They're, they're pl- playing in the, uh, the national game at four o'clock. Um. <laughs> y'all about to get whooped. Yeah, that's going to be painful to watch.
3: No, Colonel Sanders. Mr. Penguin is right. We're going to win.
2: Although it is at home, so...
1: <laughs> Jason, you start with West Virginia, who took down K-State
3: 35-6. Oh, where to begin? Will Greer is a godsend. Uh, best quarterback in the nation. We... Our defense struggled and gave us our, our defense struggled this week. We gave up six points. Um, I, I mean, we might have to fire our defense coordinator for giving up six points to K state. Um, on a lighter note, the West Virginia hood did have a, also had a victory over the weekend. They won 107 to two. Uh, it was the botch snap to cause a safety. Um, we we have been in talks with Farmer Fran to become our defense coordinator, and he lived another hey, day. Where oh, the
1: the joke has run its course. Carry on. You you,
2: you you've created a monster, Harry.
0: I have. Just, just remember, I've been hearing some talk about the Kentucky
1: Buck. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it now! I am officially putting the kibosh in this. What about your thoughts of the Giants' victory over the Houston Texans?
3: I was really happy. I mean, uh, Barkley played played really nice. Um, he's showing patience when running the ball. Eli actually showed up. The only downside I, that came out of the game is Evan Ingram is now potentially out two to four weeks with a sprained MCL, and we really don't have a a legitimate backup to fill that void, so we're going to struggle there. But I, I think we're actually riding the ship, and we're we're gonna we're gonna do good things this year. Um, we will uh, We're not going to win the division by any means, but the way everything's looking, we might finish second. I mean,
1: Philadelphia is clearly the class of the AFC East this year, but I, mean, I don't NFC think there's any.
3: East. The well East, I mean if they if they're in the AFC East, we definitely got a shot. <laughs> yeah.
1: Philly's clearly the class of the NFC East this year, but I think that Dallas is a lot worse than a lot of people anticipated them to be. And I think that Washington is despite being two and one right now, I don't think Washington's legitimate.
2: No. Yeah, no. I'll talk about that in a little bit.
3: I think I think Washington's more of a pretender than an actual legit contender. We'll
1: get uh, into this a little bit later on because I think week seven is going to be the week that I do the buy or sell about the division leaders. So just be prepared for that coming up here in a couple of weeks here on the show. Eric, you ready to pour one out for the homers? Did someone say chicken tenders?
0: (laughs) Personally, where do I begin?
1: Well, we start with the Miami-Florida Hurricanes taking down the Florida International Panthers 31-17.
0: Okay. A, there were no fist fights or mix ups or big brawls that caused the announcer to kind of flip his lid, which is a bonus. And I'm not even sure what happened to Malik Rozier in looking at the highlights and seeing at the box scores. And Kosi Perry really took the load, and I'm like, okay. He looked okay. I'm still not sold. And again, Kelly, Jalen, come on down. The job is yours. We could really use the help. Again, Kelly, no biggie. We're not going to entirely mind you for going inside the mind of Dabo Sweeney. We'll just ask some occasional questions here or there. But overall, again, another case of where they did their job. They got to win.
1: Now we're going into more games that count. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of which, that actually brings me into tomorrow night for you guys as you are a ESPN national broadcast against the University of North Carolina.
0: Oh, Lord. This is one of those where I feel like we should win. We should obliterate. But given the past season, almost season and a half, it's nearly set up
2: for failure. Maybe is this going to be Pittsburgh 2.0 for you guys?
1: I oh, God, I hope not. Especially well, of- I will point out that Carolina is coming off of a victory over Pitt last week to get off the schneid.
0: True. Oh, God, they have confidence. Fantastic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's talk about a team that played with no confidence this past Sunday. Your Jacksonville Jaguars as they got beaten by the Tennessee Titans 9-6. to We knock Blaine
0: Gabbert the hell out of the damn game. <laughs> He's in concussion protocol. Fantastic. Mariota's hurt. Dealing with the screwed-up funny bone. Even more fantastic. In unusual Jaguars fashion, we let Tennessee win 9-6. Stop. Who was their quarterback at that point? <laughs> oh, Mariota. Oh, okay, right. I warn people repeatedly. Even last year, won the division. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Tennessee swept us with Mariota. No. People don't want to listen. I have seen this team way too much. Same different faces, same result. Ugh, what the hell kind of hoodoo do they do in the Appalachian
1: Highlands and whatever?
0: And David, why can't they hook me up with your
1: moonshine in the process? Your thoughts on this Sunday's game?
0: It's a good game for us to bounce back. Again, another one at home. The only downside is Darnold has a little bit more time to prepare. I mean, after going through the rough start to the season, post-Monday Night Football epicness, quote-unquote, I have confidence that we're going to bounce back and win, but we need to get on Darnold early. The mayor of Saxonville has got to step back up and head back into the big chair.
1: Hmm. All right, so I gave you guys all of yours. Eric, I'm going to have you ask me about my teams here just because that way I can give my thoughts without having to talk about the teams specifically themselves.
0: Okay, let me ask you this. Where the hell did this team come from knocking me out of my survivor pool? What sort of black magic witchcraft did <laughs> that, that team concoct? Why did you thought that you were going to the wrong state, and yet you still won? It's
2: that a- that that's what made them win. They they screwed up and and thought they were going to Green Bay, who sucks right actually, now. Actually, actually, what made us win
3: magic black magic mind tricks. Actually, what made us
1: win is a combination of what made us win last year. It was a quarterback who was making plays with his feet. Welcome to the National Football League, Josh Allen. And a defense that was ball hawking like a bunch of some bitches, forcing several Minnesota Vikings turnovers early in the game to give us excellent field position and take a commanding 27 0 halftime lead. We did not score in the second half. That was 2018 Buffalo. But the first half of that game, was clearly 2017 Buffalo playing and showing that while we may not be a playoff contender this year, we're a whole lot better than the abomination we were the first two weeks of the season. Yeah.
0: You're lucky you gave me the heads up because my original dud was going to be the Vikings offense. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. I don't like that.
2: I damn Mm -hmm. sure don't like that. Hey, re- real quick, I-, I don't know why you talking about the Bills defense made me think of this, but um, how do you like that beating I put on you in fantasy this week?
1: Bite me, Brandon. <laughs> freaking defense, half my freaking defense didn't show up. What do you want from me? Um, To continue my Buffalo thought here, we're going to actually go into the current game now with the Bills, and that will be the Packers this Sunday at 1 o'clock. I'm a lot more optimistic about this game than I was two weeks ago, I will say that much. But Aaron Rodgers, even a hurt Aaron Rodgers, is not a concept that I like having to face with our defense being as shaky as it is. Phillip Rivers lit us up. Joe Flacco lit us up. It is entirely inconceivably possible that Aaron Rodgers is going to do the same to us this Sunday. We shall see what happens. Hopefully, at, though, hopefully, though, the Bills can even things up at five hundred and 2-2 two and, two and come out of Green Bay with a win.
2: At least you don't have to worry about uh, your new quarterback getting sacked at all. Nope. Clay
1: Matthews will just be flagged for it. It's
2: cool. Yeah, he's, he's not coming anywhere near a quarterback now.
1: <laughs> all right, let's move to college, Eric.
0: Uh
1: take your pick of the college teams I have. I have two. Well, uh hmm.
0: You know, okay. I really Why right, is it but... that your teams do well enough that I can't find a crazy way to talk smack about them? But <laughs> Since they're closer and I have to deal with them on the local news, how do you think Florida's been bouncing back after? Uh, and by the way, you still never tried that Kentucky Fried Gator.
1: <laughs> um, first, Kentucky's apparently very legitimate this year. Ask Mississippi State. Yeah. <laughs> Second, thank you, Brandon, for picking us to destroy Tennessee. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Because that is exactly what f- Felipe Franks and the Florida Gators did on Saturday. We went to Rocky Top and we tore the place down, hanging 47 on the Volunteers on our way to a 47-21 to 21 victory. Um, I have seven words to describe my Florida Gators right now. Are you ready?
3: Yep.
1: Who the f- is this Felipe Franks? Cause he damn sure didn't play like this last year. And I
0: had a clever opening. I had the line just set up perfectly for when the Gators crapped the bit again. And they <laughs> took the point.
1: Yeah. I just catch today. a break nowadays. Yeah, we beat an SEC team by twenty six. You guys barely beat a conference USA team by fourteen. Bite me, Watkins. Again, Tennessee, they're Vanderbilt
0: level when it comes to the SEC. Really? You're really counting them? (laughs) That's fair.
1: My other college football team is Penn State. They dominated Illinois. That is not the story for Penn State, obviously. The story for the Nittany Lions is what we talked about earlier. It is the whiteout this Saturday night at 730 on ABC against the Ohio State Buckeyes.
0: Yeah, because again, slow start against Illinois and then second half, especially the fourth quarter, that's when you had all the betters going nuts and setting their tickets on fire.
1: Well, yeah, because it was 27-24, lion and I, at one point. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. Excuse me, excuse me, 24-21, my, my apologies. And then Penn State proceeded to rattle off... Forty two straight to win sixty three twenty four. Poor Lovey Smith
0: and that perfectly white beard of his. I look <laughs> sad. You're looking like a friendly black Santa Claus just out of place. Why you have
1: would do that to him? Well, in fairness, we figured we'd give him some gray hairs on the top of his head to match his beard. <laughs> there
3: you go. There you have.
1: It. Um, Jason.
3: I hear. President, get it together. Get it together. We're, we're going to go with the NFL refs. I mean, this, we touched on this a little bit, and my toes are broke from everybody stepping on them. Um, but this is an abomination of how the NFL is becoming the no fun league. Uh, you can't define a catch, which I mean this year we've actually got legitimate headway in that, but now we we make two steps forward and 16 steps back because now you can't tack away quarterback without getting flagged for roughing the passer. Um, in one of the pregame shows I've seen, it is roughing the passer calls are up like almost 400 percent, 300 percent. Compared to last season, there's been more roughing the passer calls in the first two weeks of the NFL than there was for all 17 weeks last year. I mean, I understand you've got to protect quarterbacks, you got to, you know, player safety and all this, but it's a contact sport. You're not out there to play patty cakes. You're out there to hit someone. Make snot bubbles in the nose, as a quote from one of my favorite football movies, and be a man.
2: Mm-hmm. And let I was I was gonna say this earlier, but uh, Harry said to save it. And uh, you may disagree with me, and I'm in, in a way I'm hoping I'm wrong, but in a way I'm kind of hoping I'm right, just to kind of show the NFL like, hey, you can't do this. But I have a bad feeling that if this continues long enough, a lot of these players, especially the ones like Clay Matthews, are going to say, you're going to flag me anyway. I'm just going to rail the dude.
3: So you're, you think it'll become a much more violent
2: sport? Oh, yes. I think they're going to say, I'm going to get penalized anyway. I might I'm as well with make that. it worth. I might as well make it worth my while. I'm down with that.
3: So, with that being said, I want to ask you, Brandon. Are you serious?
2: Okay. My, I, are you, you serious? Mean, I, I, I think you mean to get it together. Oh yes. yes no. well, so well, we're getting get, it together. Well, well I'm sorry. I, actually, this is a perfect in segue. The morning. This, this is actually a perfect segue because my. Get it Big together. Leg. Yes, yes. Well done. My get it together for this week is the Green Bay Packers. Yes, hopefully the rules change. Yes, hopefully the NFL starts to learn basic physics soon. Sooner rather than later. Or else my prediction probably will come true. But the Green Bay Packers, uh, wow, what. Well, I'm drawing a blank on their head coach's name right now. McCarthy? Yeah, Mike McCarthy. There we go. Um, Mike McCarthy, sit your defense down and in some way get the NFL to send you something. Get Do something. Get your defense down and say... This is how we're gonna have to deal with this BS for the time being. I I know it's gonna be way easier said than done, because anyone who has and and I'm you know I've I've never played football, but I just know basic physics. When you're running at full speed, you cannot stop mid mid sprint, or else nope. that does. Huge damage to your body. So, I don't know how they're going to do it because it's impo- it is is physically impossible. But tell them, somehow, some way, let's get this under control so that our our proper football playing doesn't cost us the season. I hate that I have to say this, because it's ridiculous, but it's the truth. Eric, get it together.
0: Mine, we also touched on this earlier, but here's a little bit of stat to rub a little extra salt in the wound for that Virginia Tech loss to Old Dominion. Not only is this a team that just got rebooted nine years ago, that's it, nine years, but this is also a team that, winless, lost to Liberty by 20. Liberty. Yes, Josh Jackson, terrible what happened to you, I hope. I haven't seen any of the reports. I hope it's nothing, like, too terrible, even though it looked pretty ugly. Your season may be done. That is very unfortunate. But now Miami has to be the bell cow for the Coastal, thanks to you. This is looking bad on the division. This is looking bad on the conference. And you do that at home? For Christ's sake, Virginia Tech, get it
2: together.
0: As much as I can't stand you, I know you're better than that.
2: Okay, I will say. Well, not to mention that hurts the ACC in general.
0: Yeah, that's why I say it was terrible for the conference because everybody at the end, it's going to be, if it's not Clemson, it's like, oh, wait, you beat, oh, you, oh, no, 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 no. You go home.
1: Um, Just a heads up, real quick the game was actually at Old Dominion. Oh. But that doesn't make the loss any better. No,
0: No, as a matter of fact, it doesn't. Why the hell are you wearing your bright orange turkey jerseys going to Old Dominion anyways? That just confused me. But then again, I may or may not have been inebriated. So that
1: (laughs) part's on me. To be fair, I'm pretty sure most of the Virginia Tech coaching staff was inebriated for that game, especially in the second half. Very fair. That's a very fair assessment. I will say that it was 28-21 Vautech going to the fourth quarter. You do the math from there.
0: Mm.
1: My get it together is to the college football fan. And specifically the college football fans sleeping on the Pac-12 this season. You know what? I get the fact that their games don't start until 10.30 at night on the East Coast for the marquee ESPN matchups. But damn has there been some good football in those games this year. Washington State and USC had a barn burner on Friday night, 39-36 Trojans. Stanford and Oregon played a classic Saturday night, granted primetime on ABC, that went to Stanford in overtime, 38-31. Washington and Arizona State had a back-and-forth brawl, 27-20 in the late game on ESPN. If you are going to bed early and quite literally sleeping on the Pac-12, you are missing some very good football this year, even if these teams are probably going to end up on the outside looking in when it comes time for the college football playoff.
0: Uh Uh, This could be a case where I think, yeah, it is great football, and it's actually not like the classic Pac-12 shootouts that we're used to seeing over the past few years but after the whole Washington loss to Auburn, I think that they're going to be in a position now to where we are seeing great football, but they're going to be beating each other up. Mm -hmm. I'm not sleeping on them, but I really don't think anybody is going to be in prime position for the playoffs.
2: And, well, do they have any undefeateds left? Stanford, Okay, so this is the big one. If Stanford loses uh, to Notre Dame, then oh, the if then Stanford the, loses to, if Stanford
1: loses to Notre Dame, the Pac-12 is done this year. It's oh
2: crazy. no, absolutely! That's what I was about to say. If if Stanford loses to Notre Dame, then they're all just playing a glorified exhibition season to get into the Rose Bowl
3: to
1: determine who's going to a New Year Six.
2: Yeah. Oh, is the Rose Bowl one of the uh, the four this year? Okay, never mind. I think that
1: it's one of the semifinals this year, but I'm not certain. I'd have to check that out to be sure, though.
2: But anyway, yeah.
1: So if you're sleeping on the Pac-12, you're missing some excellent games, even if by the end of the season they're not going to mean a whole lot. Hey, Jason, I got a question for
3: you. What's up? Are Are you serious? College edition. I'm dead serious. And by being dead serious, I'm going to touch on your Pac-12 little rant there. Because my game is coming out of the Pac-12, and I am picking BYU to upset Washington this week.
1: Okay, so Jason actually revealed this pick to me ahead of time, and I gave him the same disclaimer ahead of time that I'm going to let all of our listeners in now. This is a battle of two ranked opponents. Therefore, he does not get the spread to his advantage here, even though it is 17 points in Washington's favor, which is insane to me. BYU has to straight up win this game.
3: And they shall. <laughs> Ginger Thomas Eric- spoke. Eric, college edition.
1: Are you serious?
0: Oh, uh, you know, I... Mm, mm. There, there, there's a couple that I'm thinking about, and then I'm torn between. It's especially, I'm looking at one that's a nine, and I'm thinking, ah, maybe. And then I'm seeing another one that's a ten and a half, and I'm thinking, oh, that might be even better. Since I haven't gotten one right all season so far. I'm going to go big or go home. Now, I'm not going to go as big since I'm thinking that they're going to cover. Not straight up win because, yeah, that would be a dream. Ole Miss over LSU. Mm. This
1: yeah. is this is the same Ole Miss team that just got trucked by Bama two weeks ago. Yeah.
0: Okay, who hasn't been trucked by
1: Bama? Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 fact, that fact checks out. <laughs> Brandon? The undefeated... Let, 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 let me try this again here. Brandon, are you serious? I almost said get it together. I got
2: the off. undefeated Biscodamus is about to speak, and my countenance is smiling upon you, Harry Broadhurst, once more, because... I am picking Florida to beat Mississippi State in the Battle of Kentucky Losers. Okay, thank you for picking Florida. Bite me for the second part of that
1: statement.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so you know what the biggest disappointing hire in college football this year has been, in my opinion,
3: Chip Kelly. Yeah, I'm
1: just gonna say Chip Kelly. Jimbo Fisher. Uh Huh? He was brought in to turn around Texas A&M.
2: They're 2-2. and You know what? There's actually a bigger one, but then again, I think everyone who wasn't a Nebraska fan saw it coming.
1: Can I make my prediction, please, Brandon?
2: Fair enough. Thank you.
1: Texas A&M at home is laying 21 points to Arkansas. Whoa. (laughs) I have ragged Sean Garmer, the actual head honcho of the W2M network, so many times about how god-awful Arkansas can be at times this year. But they are not 21 points worse than this Texas A&M team. I don't know that the Razorbacks win, but they definitely cover.
0: They did kind of lose and fell for that fake well, oh, fair catch signals twenty. So
2: there's that. Yeah, you t- you shouldn't have that much faith in Arkansas.
1: Okay, but to be fair, North Texas is four and zero. True. With a pair of, I believe, with a pair of Power Five victories or a Power Five and an American Athletic victory, I think. Yeah. So. North Texas might be better than maybe we've given them credit for on the show before, even if they are still going to be Florida Atlantic's bitch later in the season. So my Are You Serious is Arkansas plus 21 against Texas A&M. Okay. Jason, the NFL edition beckons for Are You Serious.
3: Well, you know how I said I'm not sold on the dynasty being gone just yet. It's on life support. Well, it is on life support, but this weekend we're going to put it out of its misery. And I am picking the Miami Dolphins over the New England Patriots. They're pulling the plug to charge their phones. Tannehill is on 5%, he's taking Brady off the off life support, plugging in his phone, and going to have a smoke with Jay Kettler.
1: Somebody want to explain to me how New England is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that game? Because I don't see it. Because
0: the goal is uh, usually terrible in New England.
2: And also, it's it's still the Patriots. Well, it's no. Brady,
3: Brady bias. Yeah, this
2: one it matters. If
3: this game,
0: this but even especially at this time of the season, we're in Miami. Brady is only eleven and ten in the state of Florida. The fact that it's at home matters tremendously, especially this week.
1: I mean, I could definitely see. I could definitely see Miami covering six and a half, even if they don't win.
0: Yeah, this
1: is. So far, this is not a good New England team.
0: No, I mean, and what do you expect when you only have three active wide receivers?
1: We'll see what happens getting uh, Edelman back from his suspension, as well as rather or not Flash Gordon turns into anything now that he's up in Foxborough as well. Brandon, NFL edition,
2: are you serious? Fit, the the Fitzmagic waned a little bit last week, but then it, it it bolstered once more in the second half, and Fitzmagic goes up to Chicago, and uh, and and puts a beating on Khalil Mack and the Bears, duh Bears. Duh, disagree. I'm taking
1: Chicago.
0: Yeah, no, Mack and especially since Gruden is stepping in it even more when they keep asking him about pass rush, Mack is showing it. He's like, yeah, I was in this silver and black. This is what you're missing out on. Flapam.
1: I don't trust Mitch Trubisky, but I've seen firsthand what Ryan Fitzpatrick is capable of choking up in a midseason game. This is a game that will be important towards seeding eventually later on in the season in the NFC. Chicago's going to want it more, especially given the fact that they have the Vikings and the Packers still to come on their schedule. This one goes to Chicago, in my opinion. Eric? Chelsea. Are you serious?
0: I am. And uh, for, for as much as a rag on you, you know I love you. And I'm looking at everything and I'm thinking, wow, this would really make Harry happy, especially because with the spread of the game, there's a legit chance for covering here. Now, a win, I think especially after what happened last week, would be too much to ask. So I'm not going to do that. But given what you pulled off in Minnesota... Given what Green Bay is going through, even though it is at Lambeau, you're getting the right state this time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you were just one week off.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be too terrible to think that you can keep it tough and keep it close against the Packers. Again, maybe not a win. I get that. But 9.5 seems a little bit much to me, even with everything going
1: on. Eric hopping on the biggest number of the week this week here. Much the same way Buffalo was the biggest number of the week last week against Minnesota.
2: I was was looking at that one, too. And also, you know, another factor to that is I do not trust Green Bay's defense right now. They're going to be scared. Again, look at
0: what Kirk Cousins did. And after these penalties, that fear is even bigger.
1: Mhm. Harry, am I serious?
0: Yes. Yeah, are you serious? Yes, What's I am. Going on.
1: So, you know how I made our former one of our former uh special guest hosts happy with my college pick? You know how I picked Arkansas to cover against Texas A&M? Uh-huh. Mhm. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Dallas is about to get that ass whooped by Detroit. <laughs> this is a Lions team. This is a Lions team coming in high on momentum after demolishing the Patriots in primetime And a Dallas team coming off of getting smoked in a nationally televised game by Seattle. The line for this game is Dallas minus three and a half. It is in a TNT stadium, which means on a neutral field, Detroit would be a half-a-point favorite. Take the Lions here, and this is a straight-up prediction, not just a cover.
0: Yeah, because with this one, if you take it away, you're pretty much making it a pick and the fact that it's in the 1 o'clock window, which is a much bigger boost to Detroit, if anybody. Yeah, I could see... Dak Prescott kind of crap in the bed in this one.
2: <laughs> yeah, that actually is a good point that you brought up, uh, Eric, because because of the Cowboys' name recognition and everything, they're much more used to playing either the 4 o'clock slot as mm-hmm. a national game or in a primetime slot.
1: Yeah. Both teams are coming off of a national televised performance. One of them played really well. The other one played miserably. I think that momentum plays a factor here, and Detroit takes down the Cowboys to move to two and two in the NFC North. Mhm. I do you believe like, that's going to wrap it up for us, gentlemen. Yep. I feel like after last week's show, we needed a good bounce back episode, and this was one. Mhm. We know how. Things kind of went off the rails last week But hey, it's been known to happen Everybody has their moments here We just happened to have one at the same time last week Yeah Be that as it may For the chairman of the W2M Network Jason Teasley For Eric Watkins And the Down Since Day One co-host Brandon Biskubing I'm Harry Broadhurst Thanking you for listening to The Kickoff Episode four of season two's regular season edition here on the W2M network, available online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can listen to us on places such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, CastBox, Podbean, Stitcher. Hey,
2: Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Glacier's still a
1: dick. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next Wednesday night here on The Kickoff on the W2M Network.